0: It is week two of Starter Pack, and today we are talking about meditating on Scripture. Now, I know that word meditate brings up a whole lot of questions, maybe some baggage, um, maybe some insecurity, maybe some excitement, maybe some fear. I did not grow up ever hearing sermons about meditating on Scripture. It's something I had to learn on my own as I went. But I'll tell you this, few things have been as good for my mental health and my peace and my relationship with God as this lost art of meditating on Scripture. So that's what we're diving into today. In fact, the title of my message, if you're taking notes, is Meditation 101. Oh, we're going back to the basics. Meditation 101. Because here's the thing. Your attention is under attack. If you're watching on YouTube right now, there are 15 billion other videos that you could be watching right now. There will be 300 hours of content loaded to YouTube in the next 60 seconds. You have all sorts of options. If you're in this room, we've done everything we can to try to eliminate distraction, and yet you have the entire world in your pocket. And your phone loves to remind you that it's there, doesn't it? Notification, so-and-so liked your photo. So-and-so commented on your photo. So-and-so liked the comment that so-and-so left on your photo. So stop listening to this sermon and check it out. And while you're there, by the way, here's another ad for you to look at. One of 10,000 that you will see just today. 10,000 ads every day. That's 70,000 ads a week. 300,000 ads a month. 3.6 million ads Every year, 3.6 million reminders that you aren't enough unless you have this shirt or that car or that bar of soap or whatever it is. Our attention is under attack. And this is problematic because what we give our attention to determines our thoughts, and our thoughts determine our feelings. And our feelings determine our words. And our words determine our actions. And our actions determine who we are becoming. And so we can trace who we're becoming all the way back to the things that we're giving our attention to. And so in a world that is vying for our attention at every turn, we need to, as Christians, relearn this lost art of meditation. Because meditation is consciously fixing our attention on God's promises. I'm gonna say that again. Meditation is consciously fixing our attention on who God is and on who God says we are. It's taking, even if it's five minutes a, a day to go, okay, the world's going to throw all these distractions at me, but my attention is going to who God is and who God says that I am. There's a Puritan preacher named Thomas Watson in the 17th century who talked a lot uh, about meditation, and what he said about meditation is, as a hammer drives a nail through the head, meditation drives truth to the heart. By the way, he also once said, Satan is fine with us being praying Christians and believing Christians as long as we don't become meditating Christians. Some 17th century wisdom right there. It's like this I I love to make tea at, at night, sleepy time tea. Anybody else? My people, let's go. Every night. Hey, imagine like if I was like, hey, you want some, some sleepy time tea? And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I like heat up the water, you know, and then I, I get the tea out and I put the, the tea bag in, in for one second and then I throw the tea bag away and I, I hand you the, the mug, right? You're gonna be like, this isn't tea, this is just hot water with like a little bit of, of tea, right? Like in order to have tea, you have to let the tea steep for three to four minutes, right? <laughs> hey, Here's what we do as Christians. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Got it, next. Right? Like we understand it in our head, but it hasn't moved down to our heart. Meditation is the act of letting the tea steep. It's taking three, four, five, 10 minutes to let God's truth move from our head down into our heart. And by the way, this invitation is all throughout scripture. Like we love Joshua 1.9. Right? Don't be afraid, don't be discouraged. The Lord, your God is with you everywhere you go. Did you know that if you back up one verse to Joshua 1:8, God's telling Joshua, hey, meditate on my word day and night. Fill your mind with my promises. Let that tea steep right, in your soul. Or, or like Paul in Colossians 3:2, where he goes, set your mind on things above. Not on things of this earth or, or Philippians 4, uh, 8 and 9 where he goes, look, finally, finally, after he writes just a brilliant letter, he goes, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is good, whatever is noble, if anything is trustworthy or excellent, he goes, think about such things. Set your mind on things uh, above but let's be honest this is super counterintuitive for us these days isn't it because the world's going next thing next thing next thing next verse even like let's just be be real there's there's some of us in this room that are like yeah meditation i got it <laughs> you know check We Austin and I were we're having dinner last night and we're we're both so like like give us the things to do and we'll go get it done and so we're we're laughing like okay like I did it for three weeks, God, where's the change? You know, like give me something like quantifiable to measure. And and yet so much of this is an invitation to move past that and, and and realize that at every moment, right now, right here, there is an invitation to realize that God loves us that God's crazy about us, that he calls us his sons and his daughters. So that's what we're gonna do. Just for the next few minutes, we're going to meditate on one Psalm. It's the first Psalm, Psalm 1, if you have your Bibles. We're just gonna look at the first three verses of Psalm 1 over and over and over again and practice meditating on Scripture together. So Psalm 1, Verse one, lots of scholars would call this um, the, the gateway to all the other psalms. In other words, it's giving us instruction for how we're supposed to approach all the other psalms. And it starts by saying this, blessed is the one. So the psalmist is about to tell us how to be blessed. Anybody wanna be blessed? You want your family to be Blessed. This is going to give us instruction on how to be blessed. They start by telling us what not to do. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the seat of mockers. Let that sink in for a second. Does not walk in step with the wicked. Stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the seat of mockers. But instead, who delights in the law of the Lord. Who meditates, there's our word, on his law day and night. I love it. When? In the daytime, yep, in the nighttime, yep, just always, just never stop. Meditating on the law day and night. He says, that person is like a tree planted by a stream of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Pastoral note, do you know what we need now, maybe more than ever in 2021? It's Christians who are like trees planted by streams of water rooted, grounded, like geographically speaking, yes, of course, but in your soul, do you know who you are, right? Are, are, are you planted? Are you unshakable? Because we are in a time of uncertainty. I'll say it like this. I was on a, a run on Friday morning, more of a jog for being honest, but <laughs> let me have this, you know? I was running and I ran past this building that was under construction, It was about halfway done, and I looked over, and there was a sign, and I thought the sign said, coming this fall. Then I looked at the building, and I thought, eh, (laughs) you know, like, it's kind of like fall has fell. I don't think you're going to make it this fall. I appreciate, like, the the sign, sign, but you're not going to make it. And then I looked closer at the sign, and it actually said, coming fall 2020. (laughs) And I thought, so what the sign is saying is, about this time last year, we were hoping to have this thing done. And I laughed, and then I kind of had this moment of solidarity with them, because I realized, no, I know when they made that sign. They made it in February of 2020, right? And what they didn't know at the time is all of the cards were about to be put back in the deck, and the whole thing was about to be reshuffled. And for the last year and a half, it's just been a crazy time of uncertainty. Well, here's the pattern of the world during times of uncertainty, double down on the uncertainty, and then use fear as a tactic to try to get as many people as you can to agree with you. And as Paul says, as followers of Jesus, we have two options. We can either be conformed to the pattern of the world, or we can decide to be transformed. How? By renewing our minds. I have some mentors who I look up to who have been following Jesus for a long time. And in times of uncertainty, what I've noticed, like in the last year and a half, what I've noticed in them is they do two things. They have a heightened amount of empathy and compassion for people who are going through it. And they have a heightened amount of peace in their own life. And I've been watching them and studying them like, man, how, how are you so like unshaken in a time that is so shakeable? And it's because long ago they realized this This truth. They're like trees planted by streams of water. And so they've realized that no matter how rough the water may get on the surface, somewhere down deep beneath all of that is a peaceful stream called God's love and God's grace and God's strength that is accessible to all of us always at every moment of the day. According to the psalmist, the only entry fee is relearning this lost art called meditation. When we meditate on who God is, we become like trees planted by streams of water. So let's get practical. Let's talk about you. I want to I give you three ways that you can practice meditating this week. Your starter pack's going to give you an exercise every day. So I'm, I'm going to just go through this. And it's going to set you up to really dive in to the starter pack. So three ways to meditate. The first one I would say is, is simply this, read on repeat, read on repeat. And I, I start with this, I started with this this morning. I woke up early and was trying to get ready to go for today, and I don't know about you, but oftentimes when I finally sit down to read, I have like a thousand other things on my mind that all come up to the surface. So I've realized that it's helpful to have a really practical first step where I just start, I I read whatever passage I'm in and then I read it a second time and a third. And usually by about the fourth time, it's starting to take on a a new depth and a new meaning for me. About the fifth time, it's like my soul is quieting down. About the sixth time, it feels like God is beginning to speak to me. One of my favorite communicators is a guy named Tim Keller, um, author, pastor, and um, just brilliant. Um, but he wrote a, a book called Encounters with Jesus. And in the book, he tells a story about when he was a, a young communicator, he went to a conference. And um, the, the woman who was, was teaching was teaching on how to study Scripture. And she gave them this challenge. She said, okay, for the next 30 minutes, we're going to take one verse, Mark 1, verse 17, that just says, come, follow me. Is Jesus speaking. Come, follow me. And I'll teach you how to fish for people. Makes a lot more sense when you understand the context uh, of it, right? But she goes, for the next 30 minutes, I want you to read this verse on repeat. And just write down everything you feel like God is speaking to you. And she said, she said, after about 10 minutes, you'll feel like, like okay, exercise complete. I got it. She, said, she goes, push through that. Keep going. So, Tim sits down and he gets his Bible out and he starts writing down every, everything he's seeing about this verse, Mark 1, 17. And sure enough, about 10 minutes in, he goes, I think I got it. But because he's at a conference, he's like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna push through. And so sure enough, he does. And she says, okay, now you have your list of all these things that, that you feel like the Lord spoke to you through, through his word. Now I want you to circle the ones that are most profound to you. So they go through the list and they circle them. And she says, okay, now raise your hand if the most profound things came in the first five minutes. And he said, in a room this size, nobody raised their hand. 10 minutes, a couple of people. 15, some more. 20, a few more. 25, and all the hands started coming up. This is what happens when we read scripture on repeat, right? It's just that it's very hard for us to do because we still get frustrated by red lights. (laughs) Right? Right? just me. I was on my way here this morning, really early in the morning, nobody else on the road, a light turns red for no reason. And the crosswalk sign goes to walk. Like nobody's, nobody's crossing the street like in the last eight hours. What are we doing here? Don't you know I need to get to the church so I can teach people how to slow down? You know, it's hard for us to do. It's counterintuitive for us to do and It's so good for us. Read on repeat. Maybe you just try that exercise this week. 30 minutes. Give it a shot. See what happens. That's an episode of The Office with commercials or an episode of The Office and half of Parks and Rec without commercials. (laughs) 30 minutes, you can do it. Okay, read on repeat. What happens, let's put Psalm 1 back up on the screen. Here's what happened to me as I read it on repeat this week. I'm going, blessed is the one who does not walk and step with the wicked or stand the way that sinners take or sit in the seat of mockers. And like my fourth time through it, I realized, oh, there's a progression to this, isn't there? Walk, stand, sit. And I started thinking, it's kind of like, like, like office gossip, you know? Like, like you're, you're sitting in your office this week and you're working away. I guess that's how we work. We type whatever. And, and you hear the people down the hall starting to gossip. Now, I'm not talking about there's, there's healthy venting that has to happen for the sake of releasing. I'm talking about that degrading gossip for the sake of trying to make other people feel bad so that we can feel better about ourselves. You know what I'm talking about. And you hear it going on and, and you're like, man, I wanna be a light in this place, but maybe I'll just walk. I'll just walk by, that's harmless. I need more coffee anyways, you know? So, so you hear them all gossiping over there and you, you just, it's harmless, you just walk. Yeah, that Andy guy, am I right? You know, and you just, you walk by and you go get your coffee. No big deal. The next day you do it again. The next day you do it again. Uh, Then the next week you find yourself stopping and standing. So now walking has turned into standing and listening to everything that's going on. And before long, walking has turned to standing and now it's turned to sitting. And you're the one in the middle of the gossip going, everybody come over here. Let's go gossip some more. This is how sin works, isn't it? I didn't see that the first several times I, I read through it, and then I read through it again, and it's like, oh, yeah. Or how about when it's like you're, you're like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season. I, I've been loving that phrase, in season. Because these days, like, we want everything now. We want instant tea. We don't want it to steep for three minutes. You know, I want the results now. I, I want to be at the, the top of the ladder now. I want I want to have this much in my bank account now. I want this sort of platform now. And what we've realized over and over again is the faster you get it, the more likely that you're not going to be ready for it when it, it comes. It's like, it's like fruit takes time. I had a, an orange tree in my backyard several years ago, and every January we would have fresh oranges that I could enjoy every morning. But Like if I tried this time of year in October, they weren't ready. There's nothing I can do. I can't go out and like yell at it. Hurry up! Tree's like, sorry, I'm an orange tree. This is just what I do. (laughs) Write that down, right? Like church was really good this week. (laughs) Oh man. Following Jesus works the same way. It takes time. But when we learn how to read on repeat, all of a sudden we let the Word of God transform us. Not in a, a surface level way, but from, from the depths of our soul. And then the second thing I would say is memorize. So I sit down and I'll read on repeat over and over again. And then um, I've realized somebody said once that the, the longest journey on earth is the journey from your mind to your heart. And. Uh, I've realized that that's true in in my own life so many times, and I've realized that memorization helps God's truth move from an intellectual thing down into my heart. Right? It's like we we uh, we we talk about the story of the prodigal son all the time, and so we start talking about it again, and some people roll their eyes like, oh, "This is just a just a service level church or whatever," you know? And it's like, well. Yeah, except that you're still putting yourself in the penalty box every time you mess up, you know? It is because we understand it in our in our minds, but it takes time to let that sink down into our hearts. So memorization is a way that, that um, people for thousands of years have been allowing God's truth down into their heart. Um, years ago, like three and a half years ago, we had just gotten to Austin and Doug and I were at Whole Foods, because that was our office for, like, years. Um, And we were there one afternoon, and we were having one of those days where we were just like, "Ah, how do you plan a church, (laughs) you know? You hear, we have lots of different of these, we have like 38 different examples of the same moment, um, but they're all true. And one of them was at Whole Foods, and we're looking at each other like, I don't know how to plant a church. And Ethan had just called us, and he's like, hey, the community center said we could do some, some Wednesday night services there. And Doug and I are like, cool, but like, we don't know anybody in the city, like nobody's going to show up, what do we do? And my phone rings, It's a guy named Scott. And um, Scott is a, a mentor of mine, a mentor of, of a lot of ours and um, was the, the original church planner of Red Rocks and has been like the, the spiritual guardian father of this church for years and years and years, just faithfully one of the, the best human beings that I know. And Scott calls and I see my phone and I'm like, oh, perfect, Scott's calling. Like, he'll have the answers. And I pick up the phone and I go, Scott. Scott. Here with Doug, we got some questions for you. And Scott just goes, Psalm 1. (laughs) Doug and I are on the other line. Other line, is that still the lingo these days? Is that what the kids are saying? (laughs) Going, okay, Scott, that's great. Listen, so we're thinking uh, pre-launch services on Wednesday nights. Is that like, like the play? And then we'll try to launch in January. And Scott just goes, Psalm 1. And we go, like, we're, we're thinking that we can be ready to go by January, and we're not going to have maybe too many people, but you got to start sometime, you know? Like, we're never going to be ready. So, so what do you think about that strategically? And Psalm just, or Scott just goes, hey, memorize Psalm 1. Just memorize it. Because Scott understood that what we needed more than strategy was to be like trees planted by streams of water that the fruit that we are trying to bear will be the result of us rooting ourselves in God's word and God's truth, slowing down and worrying less about what we need to do and worrying way more about who God is. So we just like, all right, memorize Psalm 1. You know, it's amazing, man, like you, you, you just do it. And you keep God first in your life and then things have a way of working out. Not the way that we thought they were going to, to work out and there's all these lefts and all these rights and all these questions and all that and yet you put God first. You take time to meditate on scripture through memorizing it. Something happens, man. It's like the psalmist says in Psalm 119, 11, where they go, I have hidden your truths in my heart that I may not sin against you. Have you hidden God's truth in your heart? I always think about Dwight Schrute in the office. When you find out later that he has a bunch of weapons, like, hidden around the the office, you know? Just so we're clear, I'm not telling you to do that, like, physically. Don't tell your boss, like, well, Ryan said Psalm 119. Okay. However, I know that the enemy is always trying to come after my heart. I know that darkness is always trying to push back against my heart, so you better believe that I have weapons hidden in my heart. I've got weapons hidden that that Satan doesn't even know about right? Like like I, this morning on my drive over here, the, the same insecurities come up. Oh, they, people don't need to hear this talk. This talk is nothing. And yet in down, somewhere down deep in my heart, I know, no, you know what? God knit me together in my mother's womb. He's made me this way. He's gifted me this way. He's anointed me this way. He's put this message in my heart. And so I'm, I'm going to push that away and get up and go preach this message, right? That's what happens. That's what happens when we hide God's truth. In our heart, we need it throughout the day. So memorize it in the morning so that you have it in your heart throughout the day as you need it. Okay, last one. And Seth, I need your help for this one. Number three is declare God's promises. Declare God's promises. So we have read it on repeat, memorize it, and then at a certain point, you just gotta start speaking it out loud. You gotta start declaring it out loud. Because here's the thing. Psychologists have recently realized that we have a thing called a negativity bias. And what they mean by A bunch of people saying like, hey, Ryan, that sermon was so amazing. What I'm going to remember is, yeah, but my microphone went out. (laughs) Oh, you thought that was an accident. We're teaching you. (laughs) It's a negativity bias is is what psychologists call it. And so, Seth is here. Seth, thanks for being here. Can we make some noise for Seth? (laughs) Seth is one of our dear friends. One of our best leaders, uh, group, groups um, when you read the weekly and you're like, man, that was a really good line, it's probably because Seth wrote it. He's Seth and Molly and Katie and our writing team, they're just so good at what they do. But let's say that this represents Seth's mind, this target, right? <laughs> and let's say that these represent positive experiences. And then these guys represent negative experiences right what's gonna happen is Seth's gonna come to church today like like he is and he's gonna have all of these positive experiences hey Seth you look great today and it's just gonna bounce right off Seth great shoes man Seth great style Seth you're such a great friend Seth you're so good at writing these weeklies Seth, I just love how encouraging you are all the time. And then one person's going to say, Seth, I just feel like you don't make time for us to hang out anymore. And the negative experience is the one that imprints itself on our mind way quicker than the positive, right? Now, come on, you all know, anybody who's willing to be honest in this room knows how this goes. You get 99 positive emails one day, Hey, you're doing such a great job at work. Thanks for everything you're doing. We love having you on this team. And then your boss sends you one email of, hey, you missed that deadline. What do you drive home thinking about? Not the 99 good ones. Like like nobody's going, I got a 99%. That's an A plus, you know? I'm doing great. No, you drive home thinking about that one. Oh, I missed it. It's a negativity Bias. Seth goes out and he has a great night with his friends, good community, great food, drinks and laughter and conversation and everything's good, but one person gives Seth one bad look and he drives home thinking about it, right? And like really if we're just being honest, That one bad look had way more to do with that person and some stuff that that person is going through. It had nothing to do with Seth, but it's on his mind. This is what happens, right? But what psychologists have realized is there's actually a way to combat this. It just takes time. It takes a, a willingness to slow down and allow the good things to have the time that they need to imprint themselves on our mind. In other words, you can actually be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And my goodness, I love it when science catches up with scripture, because it's so helpful, giving us actual like language for what, what scripture has been saying for thousands of years. And, and so what What scripture and now psychologists are saying is, hey, if you actually spend the time every morning before you reach for your phone, Matt and I, we were talking about this on on Friday. If you uh, just start your day by reaching for your phone, you're gonna end up being reactive all day. What if instead you spent 10 minutes meditating on God's promises for us? So let's say these represent God's promises. What if Seth tomorrow decides, I know that he just does this anyways, but what if Seth, you wake up tomorrow morning and you go, instead of reaching for my phone, I'm going to reach for my Bible and I'm going to start declaring some of God's promises over my life. Like, let's, let's put the first one up. Seth wakes up in the morning and he goes, God is with me. And he takes his time with that promise and he, he, he puts it there. And then he, he reads some scripture to go along with it. Joshua 1, nine: have I not commanded you, Joshua, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged for the Lord, your God will be with you wherever you go. And then Seth continues on in his, in his reading and he starts to realize as he goes that God is working even when I can't feel it. So I may not be able to see it. I may not know it, but I know that God is working because his word says this. And we know that in all things, God works all things. Everybody say all things. God works together good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purposes. And then Seth keeps going and he realizes that God will never leave me. Man, scripture promises it. God will never leave. Leave me and surely, this is Jesus in the Great Commission, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. And then Seth keeps reading and he realizes this. He realizes, man, that means I am loved. I'm loved. In fact, the Bible says this. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of god aren't you glad that you're a child of god or how about this one i am chosen i'm chosen god's word says this for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight and then seth realizes hey i'm accepted Romans 8.1, we started with this, we'll end with it. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And Seth realizes, hey, like a good tea, I need to let this truth steep in my mind until it moves down in my heart, becomes a part of who I am. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And then Seth heads out for his day. And as is always the case, the world is going to throw things at Seth. There are going to be negative experiences that come his way. But now that he has these promises, right, watch what starts to happen. It's like people are going to criticize him. People are going to critique him. People are going to say all sorts of mean things about him. But Seth knows who he is. Seth has that firm foundation because he spent time meditating on God's truth. And so now it's like these things just don't have the power that they used to have, right? Right? Seth, thank you. All those things are true about you, by the way. We love you so much, man. You're the best. This is the power of meditating on scripture. But hey, I know. I know what's going on in your mind right now. You're going, I'm, I already have such a full schedule. Where am I going to find time to do this? How about this? Let's start right now together. We're going to take some time right here and right now to meditate on scripture together. So the band's going to, to play a song and um, during this time you can sit, you can kneel, you can stand, whatever you want to do. But after the first chorus, we're gonna throw Psalm 1 back up on the, the screen up there, nice and slowly, verse by verse, and give you time to, to not just read it, but read it on a repeat. Memorize it, declare it out loud, meditate on it until it sinks down into your heart and becomes a part of who you are. The song that we chose is it's called I, I Exalt You. And Em and I were, were talking about it and she brought up such a good point. She said, it's so cool just to declare I will exalt you because what that doesn't mean is that, hey, all the anxiety is just gone or all the depression has gone or all the, the hard stuff that I'm going through in life is gone. It just means that we are choosing, like Seth, to exalt God's truth and what God says above us, uh, above all those other things. It's not a magic wand, it's not going to fix everything, but it is going to give you a firm foundation so that you can be like a tree planted by water and that no matter what comes your way this week, you can go out in confidence, boldness, step into the call that God has on your life so father god as we get ready to meditate on your word lord would you give us the grace to slow down would you give us the love to realize that all the other stuff that's coming up is okay but that you are here for us in a way that's deeper for work too deep for words and as we sing this song as we exalt you as we meditate on your word, you speak to us now that we, we may be like trees planted by streams of water. In Jesus' name.